Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Schmozone podcast. This is episode number 81. I'm Dave Schmolson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And today's guest is a two-time All-Star, a two-time World Series winner, and a four-time winner of the Golden Gloves. He's Mr. Baseball, the flying Hawaiian, Shane Victorino. Nice to meet you guys, man. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you for coming here. And by the way, you are a huge <laughs> super fan of mixed martial arts. Oh man, beyond. Uh, you know, it's part of our DNA. I think I tell people growing up in Hawaii, uh, you know, being a warrior and having that mentality or that fighting mentality, it's it's part of who we are. So to see some of the guys in the history of mixed martial arts come along and do what they do, uh, you know, I took that mentality to a different sport, uh, you know, in baseball, and I wanted to be successful at it, and you know, more importantly, make my make my homeland proud, and uh, hopefully, I did that. Well, we just flew back from Florida. We were covering the PFL and Ray Cooper. I yes. think he was kind of the star of the show. His third round knockout. That's yeah. knockout of that night. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I saw the I saw the highlights. I didn't, unfortunately I didn't get to watch the fights, but uh, I saw the highlights. Uh, looked like you know up to that point, uh, you know, it was going in the direction that he didn't want it to. But again, that's uh, that warrior mentality. I think that we grew up with the never. You know, we leave it all out on the line. Uh, and, you know, Brother Ray has always been that guy, uh, you know, watching his fight. You know, not only him, but his father, uh, you know, was a legend in mixed martial arts in Hawaii, uh, you know, in the movement early on in, 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 you know, mixed martial arts and the movement in Hawaii. So it's pretty cool to watch the next generation come along and, you know, continue to do what they're doing. You definitely took the grit for your playing style in baseball right <laughs> now. And it was always fun to watch you play baseball. I guess one quick question I had right off the bat was which – was more meaningful you winning oh, the world series in 08 in <laughs> philly or 13 in boston i think that's the question i always navigate through the most uh, you know it's it's it it both had its it, its own identity um you know and both are important to me um you know more importantly as an athlete to be able to win a championship in any city uh you know wherever it is in the world or to be considered a world champion uh, you know it's not an easy feat so you know, in, in, in 08, I was a young boy, uh, you know, young kid at 25 years old, you know, growing up and, you know, trying to learn the game of baseball and becoming a, you know, 28-year-old world champion, uh, you know, at the age of 28 years old or somewhere in that point in my life. And, you know, I was that kid, so it was excitement. It was like, you know, that, that, that hurrah, like, yes, I've reached the pinnacle. Uh, you know, and to bring it back to a city like Philadelphia, where it's just as an athlete, it is not an easy place to play. Uh, you know, it's all about winning. You know, it's part of their, you know, daily routines. They go to work. They talk about how bad you did the night before, how great you did. And they take it and the kids hear it. And, that you know, it becomes this, you know, reciprocal cycle. So, you know, if at that point our career is winning there, you know, it was different. And in 13, you know, I always tell people the significance of the Boston bombings, uh, you know, and the significance of Boston Strong. And, you know, the bigger picture wasn't us as, as, as athletes on a baseball field. 
it was the whole world, uh, you know, that was affected. So to be able to play and to turn that city back into that enjoyment and giving people somewhere to go every night. And, you know, I always tell people like walking on the field every night, looking at someone that, you know, just, hey, uh, two months ago was living life and with the with, with, with one little, you know, instant in life and life changes and having these people come out and throw out the first pitches and, you know, with, with, with lost limbs and, and, and just medical, you know, things that they'll face for the rest of their life and go, dude, I'm playing a sport that I, you know, dreamed of as a kid. I mean, it was just, I always talk about that greater being, you know, it was part of us in 13. So that's where I try to juggle the boat. Like boat had a significance. And as I said, more importantly, to win as a professional athlete and, you know, at that level to be considered a world champion. I mean, it's a, you know, I'm a very lucky guy. And I know Phillies fans, Philadelphia fans itself, they're ruthless too. <laughs> and there was like, they hadn't won a championship too, like in two decades yes. before you guys won it. I know the Red Sox had been winning. They broke the curse in 2004, but you said with the bombing. So they definitely both, I could see the significance in both of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. You know, I like, I know you guys trying to dig. A lot of people try to dig and get it out and say, well, one's better than the other. I just tell people like, listen, you win a championship in Boston. You win a, ch a championship in a city like Philadelphia. You're a lucky guy because it doesn't happen very often. And you also have, what, two postseason Grand Slams? Who hits Grand Slams in the postseason? <laughs> I'm lucky. That's another feat. You know, there's only two other guys in the history of baseball. It's myself and, you know, Jim Tomey. I mean, and to, to, to think about a little boy that grew up in the middle of the ocean, you know, talking about that warrior mentality and, you know, uh, I mean – you know, luck and, and, and being blessed is, is, is part of this, you know, definitely the equation. It's not just being, you know, a great athlete or being what it is. I mean, it's just there's so many things that have to happen. Well, speaking of the World Series, it's going on right now. They have a game tonight. What do you make of it? I'm excited. Um, it's been a fun World Series. Uh, you know, for me, I was a – it's funny people ask. You know, I was I, I grew up a childhood Braves fan, and I think most of America did because of TBS and Turner and what yeah. it was. and. You know, for me, I grew up in, in, you know, as I said, back in the island. So at 2 o'clock when school was done, it was 7 o'clock usually on the East Coast, and baseball was just about to start. So while I was doing my homework, I was watching the Braves game or at least kind of peeking here and there looking at, you know, what was going. So I grew up a Braves fan, so I'd like to see the success happen there. Uh, you know, Houston got one in recent years, so they can wait a few more. But, you know, it's amazing to see what those guys have done, too, as a team. Um, you know, as a core, uh, as an infield, uh, you know, people are going to bring up all the past and do what they've done. And hey, I get it. You know, you can you can slap their wrist for so many times. I mean, hey, I, I think they've got it. You know, I think they understand it. But to continue to be successful and move along, you know, what people say, are they still doing it? I don't know, man. I mean, I, at some point, it's like you got to give credit where credit's due. They're good players. They're good guys. And, you know, that's the only sad part, that that will tarnish them forever. I mean, unfortunately. Yeah, the sign-stealing stuff yeah. that you're referring to from a couple of years ago, the Houston Astros, it also shows the resiliency to play through it, too. And we were actually at an Astros game a couple months ago because another super fan who is a player for that team, Carlos Correa, yes, he's he got a podcast. Yeah. Uh, we support him. We yeah. like what he's doing. But that team, I would just say the resilience of them to get back right in there. And obviously they are the hated. They are the bad guys. <laughs> no one's rooting for them who's rooting for this World Series outside of Houston most likely. So it's good to see that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it, it's I, as I said, I think the whole playoffs too. I mean, it's been fun. You know, I've kind of – you know, been away from the game a little bit, but you know, as my my son gets older and watching them grow up and his love for the game of baseball, sports in general, uh, obviously because dad loves sports, you start understanding like I I need to watch again, and you know I started to watch a little bit more this year, and you know during the during the pandemic and in 2020 and COVID there was a lot of you know not much, but there was baseball going on, so I watched then, but you know I I definitely sometimes miss the game, I miss the camaraderie, I miss that. So to watch in the playoff time that that different level of energy and the 
you know, the microscope of a mistake can't be made. And, you know, I look at it and I dissect it. It's kind of fun because my wife's like, dude, like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, babe, sorry. I'm just kind of, it takes me back to what I did every day, you know, at the highest level to go and dissect maneuvers and, you know, watch what's going on in what game within the game. I mean, it's kind of fun. So I, I, I'm definitely excited for playoff time. So. And your son just turned 11, right? Yeah, he did. Last month. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he loves... I, 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 it's kind of, uh, you know, I tell sometimes people it's cryptic, you know, because he love, I think he loves the sport that, you know, dad played and that's baseball. But, you know, ultimately I told him, I want you to be an athlete. Uh, you know, athletes go a lot farther in life than just a baseball player or a football player or, you know, I mean, yes, we are our, our athletes, but I think someone who, and I call it at, at that athletic aspect to it, where can, they can do it all. They can pick up a basketball. They can pick up a football. They can pick up a tennis racket. They can go, hey, you know what? I'm going to go do, you know, some, some mixed martial arts. They might, get their, you know, might get beat up, but from a standpoint of being able to understand their body and how it moves, they might have a chance. But, you know, all these kind of things where these sports, you know, I think the other part, too, about youth sports today, it's come to a point where it's like, you know, these kids aren't being, in my opinion, kids. You know, yeah. like, and that's what I always try to remind my son and, you know, the people that are around me is like, man, they're kids at 11, year, at 11 years old. I did not know that I was going to be a World Series champion or a guy who played baseball. I knew I loved sports and that's all I wanted to do. Like I wanted to play sports, whether it had been baseball, football, soccer, you know, whatever sport I was playing. But yes, I love sports. So that's what I always try to preach to that, you know, younger generation speaking about the youth now. It's like, man, enjoy them being kids because at some point if it becomes that part of their life it's going to be a, a career and it's you got to live breed eat it and you know so it's been fun it's it's fun to be a dad it's fun to be a guy that lived it and did it every day but ultimately i always try to look and make sure that they remember like they're kids right now like there will be a point where it becomes a reality you know and if that's what you want to do it's crazy to see how technology has kind of changed the game in sports in general, but specifically yeah. baseball, a, a game that's been around for over a century, too, and just how the attention spans of kids have changed completely. Like, you see people go back to the dugouts. They look at uh, an iPad and stuff like that. But also, too, in a game like baseball, you've seen over the years, like, cork bats. You've seen pine tar. You've seen all the different things. Like, uh, you know, they talked about the the Rockies and and what it did to baseballs too and just the, the different elevation but it's amazing to see kind of how things have evolved throughout time with sports in general specifically baseball yeah i mean i think that's the other part too is you know i just was reading an article before i left and it talked about uh i forget who it was but oh it was jj reddick and he talked about the modern day athlete and how the older athletes always say like oh they couldn't have played in our generation and you know it comes to that point like you said you know and i i always dissect it like this it's the game evolves and the sport will go on it's, you know, for me, like in baseball, you look at the things that, you know, how do we keep the money on the field, meaning the athlete that we're paying, um, you know, with, you know, instances of, you know, Utley sliding the second that changed that forever, um, you know, Buster Posey getting run over at home plate. Like you see those. So you see the sport in itself change because it wants to clean up those plays that allow athletes football same thing it's like the contact and so when Jay, yeah i mean it's just like Can't you touch them yeah i mean and, so, and, and just overall i mean you know just putting down your helmet and you're falling you hit helmet to helmet with a db now and you know i saw it this week at the raiders game and a flag gets called it's like the guy's just falling to his feet or like you know it's just like it's it's not like he's spearing that helmet into the dude and but the game is trying to clean up at all so it's going back to the point the sport will go on so, yes, everybody's going to make comparison. Who's the greatest? Who's the GOAT? Who's this and who's that? And I always say to myself, like, hey, in our generation, like, hey, these were the guys that, you know, hey, ultimately I always looked at, 
if you can win a championship, that's that's how you'd consider to me you separate greatness from just someone who's done it for a long time. And, you know, yes, there's going to be guys that never get that opportunity because they play a team sport and their team never gets there. And, you know, a guy like Ken Griffey, one of the greatest left-handed hitters ever, never got a chance to win a World Series because wasn't on many winning teams or didn't have that opportunity. So, yes, there are going to be those arguments. But majority of people, like, you know, I always say to myself, I consider greatness by championships. And if you can separate yourself that way, like, that's – because ultimately, that's why you play a sport. I mean, you know, at that level. I mean, yes, as a kid, you know, it's not about winning. It is, but it isn't. It's about failure. And, and winning and failure, that's where I feel like that, 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 that separates. But at that level, yeah, it's at all win expense. Because that's our career. That's our jobs. Like, we want to be the best in the world. That's why we do it. But that's the part where you said the technology and the advancement, the being able to go and watch and dissect it. And I'll give you an example. Like my son, you know, he's he's all of a sudden doing the Kiki Hernandez, like straight arm or the El Tuve. And I'm like, the son, you've never done that. But you know what? Him and I have been watching the playoffs. He wants to follow, emulate some sort of player or some sort of. And, you know, Kiki was the hot player at the time. And I just was like, dude, look at this. This is that example. But. You know, I said, to myself, I'm not going to go and say, hey, you know, what are you doing? Like, let him be a kid. Let him figure it out. Ultimately, you know, when he goes to hit the ball, is he in the right stance? Is he doing what he's doing? And it was. But it's, again, the emulating of all of what I think today's athletes have come so far forward with technology and advancement. It's crazy. I mean, it. I don't know if it's, it's an advancement, but it's, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the human element has, has become so part of not the game. Randomly, you brought up emulating stances was it craig council who would hold Hold the bat over his head (laughs) over his his head (laughs) i mean all kinds of dudes i mean like you know i always tell people it doesn't matter it's like fighter it's what makes you the best you how can you emulate and be the great you know whatever it is it doesn't matter what you look like when you start yeah and gary sheffield wildly wildly shivering his bat the whole time yeah some awesome stuff (laughs) well i know you've been a resident here in vegas for a while and you know, we have the Aviators now with their beautiful new ballpark down in Summerlin, and they were the 51s. But do you think there will ever be an MLB team here Absolutely. in Vegas? Yeah. In my heart, I do. I hope they do. Um, you know, if I'd be first in line to push for it as far as, you know, a lobbying, a lobbying position as far as bringing a major sport or another major sport to the city. Um you know, I think that there, there, there's a lot of things that's got to go right, um, you know, but I think Vegas has come to the point where it shows that, you know, what it presents um, and what it's about, you know, with the Golden Knights, the Raiders. You know, I had a lot of people question me early on with the Raiders and, you know, large businessmen that, you know, had 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 looked at that opportunity or, or understood a little bit. And, and, and I said to myself, like, you know, the one question was, can you fill the seats? I'm like, can you fill the seats? I mean, like, I, I don't see why you cannot. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's a major sport. Like, people love sports. And, you know, through my lifetime, you know, you saw, you know, I played in a, in, in, in a pan, you know, in a, what I call was a pandemic then, meaning not, not so much on the health side, but, you know, the, the economy in, you know, in, in basically seven through 10 or through that yeah. last run of our, you know, economic bust, like, people showed up to games. Like, people showed up to sporting events it was like that one they got rid of the 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 gym pass they got rid of all the little things but to bring a family to a sporting event to go and enjoy it as a family like it was happening when everybody was cutting everything out of their budgets but people were coming to this and it was like i tell people it's you know it's bigger than the sport it's like it it becomes somewhere for you to go and do and it gives you another avenue and like for me that's why i love having hockey on any given night i you know during the season you can go hop down to a game and having season tickets you know yes unfortunately there's only eight sunday games or or monday night games or thursday like here at the raiders but like 
I think there's people that if baseball's here and they build the right stadium, like, yeah, they'll come. Fastest growing sports city, I think, in the world, yeah. too. And with what you said, too, with Raiders, this is a destination. You're going to get Bears fans flying here. Uh, we were at that game. Eagles fans, yes. you name it. They'll all be here. Uh, but to your point, though, what team would that be? Would it be the Oakland A's? And how miserable were the conditions playing in that uh, stadium? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't like to bash places. You know, I told people, people ask all the time. I said, anytime I got to put on a Major League Baseball uniform and walk Fair onto enough. a Major League field, I mean, you know, I was a lucky dude. So, you know, in that regard, yes, it wasn't the state of the art. It wasn't the nicest stadium. You know, Oakland as itself, you know, things have, you know, kind of obviously losing some of the teams there. I mean, that... You know, it can't be good for your city. So to keep your, you know, your soul, you know, one team there, I mean, of course you want to do that. But, you know, hey, I'm not on that side of the game. I just understand that, I, you know, I'm looking from a Vegas standpoint. I think it'll be real successful here. I think it can succeed. Uh, I'd be the first in, like I said, to buy season tickets or to support that team um, to, to, to a degree. You know, I probably would never do. But, I mean, just because, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a sport that gave me my avenue. It's a sport that gave me my path. So to support it and see it come to the city, I really would love to see it. And also because Vegas has a couple homegrown superstars like the Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper as well. There's a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Joey Gallo. Yes. Um, you know, the list can keep going on of people that are, you know, Mir Garrett, Brian Stott. I mean, I, I, I can keep going on and on of dudes that make this, you know, and not only just people that are home homegrown, just people that come here and make it the offseason like myself yeah. and, you know, many others that, that, that live in this city. I mean, you got the old school guys like Aaron Rowan and, you know, Greg Maddox. So, I mean, Greg it's Maddox a baseball hotbed. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, this has been a baseball hotbed. And I don't think people have ever given Vegas that credit because of the Californias or the Floridas or the places where, you know, Texas, where baseball is played all year long. But let me tell you, you're right. The young superstars of the game are right from the city. And I think that's why, for me, youth sports, and especially in baseball, becomes more relevant because, oh, the three superstars did it. Oh, that's a little different. You know, look at these dudes and the size they are. And, you know, hey, I'm not trying to say, it's a f you know, shut down dreams as a youth. But like I said, going back to the, the philosophy of let the kid be a kid. Let them be, you know, let them grow up, be kids. For sure. And we've seen you around town a lot at the <laughs> UFC Apex, yeah. uh, Dana White's Contender Series. You are around the sport of mixed martial arts. How did that come about, and where's your passion and love come from? Oh, man, I think growing up, as I said, in Hawaii, yeah. uh, you know, with that warrior mentality, uh, you know, fighting is, is part of our DNA. I wasn't one of the bruisers and the fighters. I didn't like really getting punched in the face. I was trying to, you know, more be in doing it on a sports field or in that aspect. But, uh, you know, you look back at the history of, of mixed martial arts from Hawaii, um, you know, from some of the older generation, especially someone like, you know, who I – grew up, you know, alongside and, and watching his career in BJ Penn and what he set and the standards and getting the name the prodigy and why they named him the prodigy. Uh, you know, and 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 looking at that and seeing modern day, you know, mixed martial art with the fighters today and uh you know it's 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 part of my DNA. Uh, you know, I've been a big fan, but more importantly, uh, you know, through the years, uh, I got to watch the sport grow from the inside a little bit. Uh, you know, my wife was a EA to one of the the owners at the time and you know, so I got to meet those guys and be, you know, around the ownership group and understand it. And, 
you know, almost come in as a little brother sometimes to watch the growth of that company and, you know, to see these individuals, as I tell people, like watch them grow a sport. So being an athlete myself and, you know, being in a, in, in a major sport myself, watching individuals in Lorenzo and Frank and Dana and Mark Ratner and, you know, all these dudes and the Lawrence Epstein's and sitting there and watching that old school, you know, ownership regime try to create a sport and, and watch it happen for these guys. I mean, you know, my love grew more and more because it wasn't, you know, they weren't doing it for the money. They really weren't, weren't. They were really doing it because they wanted to grow the sport. They wanted to create. They put their identity on the sport of mixed martial arts when they bought it early on and, 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 and watched it really dissipate and figure out, like, how do we navigate and turn it to what it was? I mean, you know, that's what grew, you know, for me, even on a greater scale of just not watching great athletes go out there and, and perform. It was watching an ownership group from an inside out grow the sport to what it is today. I mean, it it it. it it resonates in me where I watch and why I love showing up to the apex or a contender series. Cause I get it. That's the next guy. Like that's the hungry dude that's going to come out and nobody, you know, back when John's bone Jones first came on the scene and you know, some of the guys they're looking at me and I'm going, dude, this dude's different. Like he's just different. He's got length. He's got the athleticism of a, of a different, you know, kind with obviously having brothers that play in the NFL. And I'm like, this dude's different. It's that, that, that athlete that should be playing football that decided to say, like, I'm just going to focus on that. And I think as a whole, some of the fighters back in the day, you know, they played mixed. They just did mixed martial arts, but they could have gone out and probably played other major sports because they were just pure athletes themselves, but they didn't. But to see someone from another or, a, you know, kind of breathe that way, come across to that side and it's going, wow, man, this is different. So, like, I've been a fan. I will always be a fan. Uh, you know, these guys today have, you know, they go out there and it's, it's really respectful to see where the sport has come as a whole. As you guys know, UFC 267 goes down tomorrow in Abu Dhabi. And what helped the Schmo or David and I last year, we went there three times, was having a VPN. I mean, it changed what we needed to do when we were down there. It helped us be able to access, obviously, the Internet to watch the fights and, most importantly, to be able to do our jobs. Absolutely. And it's you can literally pick the region in the country you want to be in and you can watch what you want to see, stream it the way you want to see it, better access, better internet. Highly recommend checking out NordVPN forward slash schmo and you will not be disappointed. Tomorrow in Abu Dhabi, UFC 267, a lot of fun fights for sure. I mean, we go from 267 then the following week, UFC 268. I'm super excited for it. Uh, we were in Abu Dhabi three times last year. Uh, we're not going this year. I'm a little jealous, actually, because that's one <laughs> trip. Really I, that's cool. the only trip I have not, uh, you know, looked at and go, man, I need to go to Fight Island. Uh, you know, one of these days I'll get there with the, you know, hopefully I got to beg the executives to uh, let me go and visit that place one day. But, yeah, I would definitely love to see that, you know, just the whole experience of, of you know, Fight Island. I think I think they're going to be there a lot more, especially with yeah. the way the world's going too. It's I opening, think yeah. They'll no. all, all be there, but I'm really excited for the championship fights. Like Glover Teixeira, uh, the guy's ageless. I think he's already 40, 41. He just celebrated maybe his 40 second I heard him birthday. Say, yeah, I think today. I know. You know. Jan sang to him happy birthday. Yeah, and I thought that was cool, man. And he was. handed him a beer, you know, a beer from his hometown. <laughs> I was just watching that on the way here and. You know, that's a, as I said, uh, sorry for being, you know, that much of a fan. But, like, you know, I definitely love watching. But, I mean, it's it's going to be a fun one. I remember, you know, I, I don't know if you know this too, but my wife got close to, you know, with Chuck back in the day because of the, you know, early on relationships uh, going on there. And uh, 
I remember Chuck, uh, when Glover first came on the scene, I remember asking Chuck, like, dude, who is this dude? And he's like, Shane, he's one of the hardest hitters. Like, you know, back in my, he was my sparring partner. Like, I used to hit him, and he used to hit me just as hard. And I was like, dude, wow. And then, you know, to watch Glover burst into the scene and, done, done, you know, do what he's done. And, you know, like you said, be ageless and timeless and still able to do it at 42 years old. So, but that boy across the way, don't be, <laughs> man, he, he's something different. He got them heavy hands, boy. Oh, that Polish power. <laughs> and he's not young either. No, I think he's no, in his late thirties, yeah, and yeah. which which is what I love about this light heavyweight division too. It's like, it's anyone's division too. And then you got the young guy Yuri Prozaka, who I think weighed in as an alternate. Yeah, he's right there. I think he's someone who could be holding that gold strap within a year's time. So it's an exciting time. And then you got Pewter Jan fighting. Corey Sanhagen for the interim bantamweight title because that what happened there? What, uh, is is that what it is? Okay, I was wondering what the what the interim was part. Alberin's starting hurt. We had Aljamain on actually our last episode. our last episode. Gotcha. Aljamain yeah. was yeah. on. Um, basically, he wanted to compete. Uh, the doctors wouldn't clear him in time. Like he thought maybe November December initially, but when they said October, he said yes to the fight. He was training for the fight. He wasn't fully recovered gotcha. from. I think stuff he had like a on. neck injury and yeah. stuff like that. The nerves and tissues there, but uh, yeah, now now we're gonna have Sanhagen ain't no rollover either though. He's I love his unorthodox fighting style. I mean, I think that's the part where I say, you know, beyond wrestling being the base of what it is, and I think that's the one. I think I always tell people a great wrestler or someone that can you know control that will always be a top fighter in the UFC just because you know. I mean, look, look at the guys who have been able to do it through the through the years. George St. Pierre, you know, Khabib, the Margot Madoff. I mean, like, so to me, those kind of guys. But, yes, I mean, you know, these fighters today, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens in the heavyweight. I mean, that's another one that no one's talking about that's really sleepy. But yeah. I don't know. Our poor boy got to get his act together, unfortunately. But uh, once he does, I can't wait to see his arrival there. And also... What's your thoughts on Hamzat? Because I know there's a lot of hype around not only him, but his fight against Li Jingliang. And they kind of, in the press conference, it got Yeah, they don't really, intense. yeah, they kind of, <laughs> I don't sleep on uh, that dude's, he's different too, you know, from an unorthodox, long, lengthy, hits hard. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I think it's going to be an interesting one. The guy on the other way, you know, he's he's pretty, uh, he likes to, uh, likes to bite down on his, in his chin strap and go so I'm, I'm let's see what happens there's something about we you brought up john jones and Corey sanhagen israel adesanya max holloway those long Corey san yeah we said that uh long lengthy striker sean o'malley yeah. it's like they don't have the body types that everyone who just puts stereotype of what a scary dude scary monster looks like uh but they are the best fighters in the world and for a reason i mean it's it's size, it's length. I mean, in their divisions, they're taller, longer, lengthier. I mean, like, and that's why I said going back to that wrestling, like if you can grab a hold of the guy, you have a chance. But if not, they're literally going to pick you apart. And that's what watching those guys fight and why I love watching them. It's their, I always call it unorthodox because it is. It's like guys fire from all different angles. I mean, go back to Connor. Connor's the, you know, a lot of people sleep on his length in his divisions. I mean, like when you're longer, lengthier than some Nate Diaz. I mean, guys that to me that have always produced that, I mean, it's, it's just a different type of fighter. Like, it's just, and that's in sports in general. Like, if a dude's longer, lengthier than me in baseball and can do the same things that I can do, he has much more of a, you know, the capability to be successful just because of that, you know, having that length. So I feel like you're an appropriate person to ask this question to. It might be similar to asking people, hey, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, whatever the taste is, but being from Hawaii, being embedded in the history of sports and in your state, what 
who would you say is kind of like the more impactful or popular fighter between BJ Penn and Max Holloway? You got the old school versus the new school. Oh, I mean, BJ, hands down. And when I say that, it's because it's something called respect. Like, you know, and I, I'm sure Max respect and Max did and is doing what he's doing because of what BJ Penn did and what he set and the standard he set. And, 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 and when I say that, it's just it's the respect factor. When you put them both on paper, you put them both down on what they've done in their careers. I mean, yeah, you can slap and punch. But the fact of the matter is a respect factor. Hey, Max Holloway may have never come along if BJ Penn never did what he did. And that's, and that's where I separate. And that's the only reason and, and, and where I, I would separate. It's not the fact that both aren't legends, both aren't on the same scale, both are just as, you know, can walk around anywhere back home and, 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 and be, you know, looked at and, 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 and loved. And, and, but when I say it, like, and just, you know, hey, it's an argument. Everybody can have their argument, but I would put BJ a little bit in front because of that aspect. And, you know, the second part is the modern day athlete has a lot more to, to what today is the advancement of technology and being able to, you know, relate to that seven-year-old kid that, oh, who's Max Holloway when, when I was playing seven-year-old kid didn't know who with BJ, what Penn was, or didn't have access to that. So that's where I said it's ultimately it's about what they did and respectfully. So I would put BJ a little more of Max, but it ain't far from, you know, there ain't much of a separation. It's hard. Yeah, and they're both fan favorites, too. I would have took any of them in a fight. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, for sure. 100%. Um, you brought up a good point, too, when you talk about access. I feel like the access now between an athlete and a fan is so much different than it was even a decade ago or two decades ago. It's evolved where fans today with social media and everything are so much closer to their favorite athletes than ever before. And there's positives and negatives to that. And the positive side is, yes, there's upside. There's, there's, there's an opportunity to create a, a, a brand or a bigger platform. You know, unfortunately, back in the day, we might not have had that. And don't get me wrong, it was starting. Social media and all those things were coming along through the you know, beginning to the, you know, I should say middle to the end of my career. So I got to experience that and all of that. You know, for me, it's one more headache that an athlete has to deal with as a whole. You know, I didn't have to worry about what I was going to post or what I was going to do. I was going out there as an athlete going, okay, I need to be the baddest dude tonight or I need to pick up a win or we need to go and win this world championship. And then, you know, all those tangibles of marketing opportunities or whatever it is that, you know, why you do social media and building your brand. Like it was not part of my focus. It was like, go in, then you focus on that. So. As I said, positives and negatives. To me, negative is it gives, you know, it's it's one more thing for them to do along the way every day, a part of their identity, because you're going to take that 15-minute video or 15-second, you know, and as I said, that's the negative. The positive is, yes, you're building a brand, so when you're done, hopefully you have that brandability or that brand still continues to grow. But ultimately, I think there's, you know, it's nice to have, and advancement is good, but, you know, it's it, it all depends on who can handle and maneuver true you know, what is presenting you as an, as an athlete or as a person or as a human being on an everyday basis, you know? Yeah, because I notice even some athletes, like I think for LeBron, anytime he's going into a finals, he'll purposely post like he's going dark or won't, yeah. you know, let it distract him. Yeah, because it is. I mean, and that's the part for me. I respect that athletes that, that are able to do that because it's not, it, and, and to the next, it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be hard because everybody has a say. Everybody has their opinion. Where back when I played, some dude was yelling in the stands, you know, you suck or you this, you that, and I never see him again. So what is the modern-day baseball player doing in the dugout now versus what they were doing before? Has that changed? Has that evolved at all? 
So from 2015, I can't tell you to what happened to 2021 because I haven't been in a, in a in a big league dugout. So I don't want to say like this from an obs- observation standpoint, watching from afar, watching games, dissecting what I see. There's positives, and negatives there too. I mean, it's 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 nice to be able. The thing is, we had I just had to walk a little bit farther. I had to go down a few more steps. I had to go to a room. I had to go click on the computer, and I had to break down my my at bat. Now you have that at the expense of an iPad. So that's when, to the flip side, the cheating comes in because of the advancement of, you know, so a lot of times when we're downstairs and we've seen video, there's there's a delay to what's happening on the TV almost every time. Like that's, you know, like the live feed is a lot different than a lot of times. So there's always that, that, that in every sport, there's a, that when it goes to TV, there's a delay, like there's ultimately a delay. So what I'm saying is it's not like there's a video and I can go, okay, that's what's happening now and I can go run out. But what I'm trying to get is the advancement of what has happened with technology. It's there. So the Apple iWatches, there's all these things. There's there's means of communication that wasn't available when I played. Yeah. So that's where I figure out, like, from someone from afar, hey, it's positive. I don't have to walk down the stairs. I can sit there and look on the iPad and dissect it and watch the game. And when you say walk down the stairs, just so our audience is listening, is right to get to the dugout. So yes, there's the usually a, cage, there's a batting cage, there's a locker rooms, or there's something. And when I say it to the bottom of the, you know, basically getting out of the camera or based on the dugout, there's below staircase or some stadiums that literally walks right into it. You walk into the locker room or whatever's behind there, batting cages. So that's where a lot of times there's videos where we can go back and look at an bat or a pitcher can look and go, damn, I missed there or I thought I hit there and this is where the pitch was. And, you know, so that's what that, that, that. So to have and have that accessibility, it's great. It's always been there. It's just, it's a different process. And I think for me, where I saw the advancement happen, it was like, dude, it's, it's, it's on the dugout now. Like it's hard for me to yell from, you know, 100 yards away what's happening on the field. But when you're in the dugout and you have all this technology, I knew there was going to – it was it was going to be a point where it became part of the game where it shouldn't. And then it would have to get cleaned up because it's it's there. Like it's the, – the, the, the sport was allowing an opportunity and not, you know, hey, you can take your iPad on the dugout and watch on the bench now. Where back in the day you couldn't do that. Everything had to be done, you know, down below, for instance, probably because of – cheating you know i i don't know i never cheated so i don't know the whole and how it all work i still love the fact that you take a phone like an old school phone and phone it over to the bullpen yeah. to bring people over it's that's, awesome it's it's you don't see that i don't know if that's going to happen much longer the way this sports you know sports are going it's changing i mean again you go back to what you said in the beginning it was time you know like the 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 focus of the next generation it's it's small you want to cut you know these games down to two and a half where hey if i played a four-hour game back in the day yeah it was fine but you they, know, it's just you lose fans. They like talked said, about yeah. it, yeah, shortening yeah. from nine innings to seven innings and stuff of that nature. Too. I don't know, man. I, I just that <laughs> it would be so hard for me to. But again, and the shot clock too, or the timer. You have a timer, timer. For, for pitching I mean, and stuff. Hey, I get it. The sport's gonna go on. You know, like you, you, everybody's gonna say, "Oh, you're the old old guy complaining about where it's gone." I'm not saying that. It's just I'm a big believer in in in, in history, history. In, in 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 what the sport was and how it was set up and why it was set up this way. So when you start doing things to modernize or change the the history of a game, like that's where it eats at me because it's history. It's why we've done what we've done and where the sport is today is because it's 
drawn out that way. I know you want to lead into the next thing. I know you want to lead into you the next thing. You know where you're going? Do you know where you're going? You're right, you want to go into the strike, right? No. I we thought, get I to thought you were going to go. We're going to get into the strike, but, but you're a clean athlete, as you yeah. mentioned, and you also played in an era where all this stuff, like we're talking the Mitchell Report and all these things, there's Balco and Barry Bonds where, where steroids and other things, kind of this whole escapade kind of swarmed into your sport, and then there's people that have been left off the Hall of Fame ballots because of this, you know, the Roger Clemens, the Kurt Schillings of that of that nature too. Um, what's your thoughts on that, people that have that kind of taint in their history, and if they should become Hall of Famers because it was an era where everyone else was doing it? Uh, yes and no. Kind of- I mean, it's a tough, you know, it's, it's a tough one to navigate for me. Um, you know, I always told myself, you know, what, what what was considered cheating during an era, like you said, when everybody else was doing it or it was the normal? Um, it, 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 in a suggested way, you know, how was it banned throughout the game? How were they testing for it? How were they looking at that? I mean, it's, you know, it's a negative, you know, because, as I said, if it – and for me, I never did it. I don't know it. I don't understand it. Did it make them better? Did it do that? Did it do this? Like what until, you know, I understood the formula of, okay, it helps you perform at a high level every day. So as an athlete that didn't do it, knowing that if my body's aching in game 87, you know, someone who's doing this sort of, you know, entity, it's making him feel like it's game one every day for 162. If you're looking at it that way, okay, whatever. Still take that away. To be able to go and hit a baseball, to go and play 23 years or whatever some other tangibles that these guys have been able to accomplish, yeah, of course I'd love to see them because those are guys that had, had you know, are, are some of the greatest to ever play the game. Well, people say, well, if they didn't do that, they would listen. They're still great. Take all that away. Look at the years that they did. There's still some numbers in there you go like, okay, could it continue? Maybe not as long. I don't know. Everybody has an argument. To me, there's some of the greatest in the game. Is there going to be a point where it's, you know, everybody that in it, are you going to go back and try to, you know, dissect all the things that they did? You know, was it legal? Did they do it back in the, you know, and and and, and that's the part for me. It's going back to that ultimate, the J.J. Reddick comment today. It's like every generation has its own identity to the positives, to the negatives, to the things that happen. It's, it's still, what do you, how were you able to do it on an everyday basis and do for so long and to win and to be the best? Like that's, you know, uh, Pete Rose, yeah. one of the greatest all the time. Oh my, because, it's a shame. He should be but in the that's, Hall of Fame. But, but that's what I'm saying. It's, 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 you, you also want to keep, I guess, the nostalgic, the, yeah. the, 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 what the Hall of Fame's all about. And, and, and I get it. I understand that. But as I said, do we know for a fact that everyone in every Hall of Fame or every single thing never did A, B, and C to get to where the, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, just, I, I mean, it's the truth. Like it's, it's you know, there is no, but that's the part. I'm not trying to be that athlete and saying this generation. As I said, how do you know? It's just this generation is going to be clumped to it because it came out so relevant in that generation. Was it done in the 60s? Was it done in the 70s? Was it done in the 80s? Who knows? Right, but you know? it, what's crazy, too, is it's still being done now in all these different sports, too. Every single year, there's people, NFL, that get suspended four games and stuff like that. TJ Dillashaw, what we just saw in mixed martial arts in the UFC with EPO. I think yeah. a boxer who's fu- who's supposed to fight David Benavidez in um, in yeah. Arizona, I think he just tested positive for EPO. They're looking for, That's the main event. They're looking for a new opponent. 
cheating exists in all different professional sports and people get busted all different times. I just feel like in baseball and in that era too, it just got rained on. It was the forefront. It was like the poster child for the whole scandals too. And But it also turned the game around for us as a whole. You know, every, every TV was tuned on when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and their, you know, heydays were going homer to homer and, you know, every, the whole world's watching the sport of baseball came back to life again. So, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's right, but what I'm trying to get at is, you know, that next generation, which was myself, the, 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 that generation and what it created and the, and, and everybody tuning into the TVs and watching the homers being hit and how far these guys are hitting and how many homers are being hit evolved them to that next generation of, of, of fans and, and, and continue the journey to. And so that's why I'm saying it's like, it, 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 it it's not. What I want to talk about, it's not I want to say that it's great, but I also want to say that as a whole for the sport itself, it, it gave life to a sport that I was able to play in the next generation. Because if it stopped there and baseball wasn't exciting and fans went away, there wasn't the Mark McGuire's and the Sammy Sosa's and these dudes hitting, you know, 70 homers and, the, you know, like, would baseball be where it is in the 2000s? Would the baseball be where it is in the 2020s? You know, and and guys signing, you know, the contracts that. So that's where I look at it as a whole and go, they were a part of a history that yes, will forever be tainted, will forever be. But were they some of the greatest to ever walk on the field and do it? And that's the hard part, you know, because as a as a guy who's done it, who was just you know on the ballot, who's fallen off because I didn't have enough votes, and understanding like what that ballot is and looking at the ballot going. Dude, my name is on some of the, you know, is on this thing with the greatest to ever play the game. Yeah, I may never get there or get close to it, but why isn't, you know, X, Y, Z in there? And then you look and go, oh, this is that era or that generation of, of, of their, you know, they got that cloud over them. So, hey, whatever happens, hopefully their day will come. If it doesn't, in my opinion, Barry Bonds, one of the greatest left-handed hitters to ever play the game. You know, Roger Clemens, one of the best pitchers to ever play the game. You know, and some of these guys, you know, were the veteran players that help, you know, the modern day continue to fold to and mold to where it is today. Whether they were cheating or not, I don't know. It's not my, you know, and there was a lot of speculation on all this stuff. <laughs> well, I know even growing up when I was like eight or nine years old and my parents are from China and Taiwan. And every time it was like Mark McGuire or Sammy Sosa playing, they would always like tell us and yeah. be so excited. Yeah. So that was an amazing summer. And I, I was in Chicago that summer too. Was it nineteen ninety eight? Somewhere uh, in there, yeah. That yeah. was it was fantastic. Yeah. That that definitely revived everything. Uh what you were what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, or it might have even been before it was rolling too, is like uh, I think you brought up too, it's like you've kind of watched uh mixed martial arts or the UFC like a whole sport from the inception of it kind of rise to where it is today where it's a top five sport and popularity in the entire world you don't have and it's not not just the united states sport it's an international sport of all these different fighters and to see where it's evolved today i mean there's a fight every single week like it's not on spike tv anymore it's on espn that that whole deal just you know it, it's amazing to see kind of just the whole evolution and you being a fan and being a part of it and and watching this too and also being a professional athlete and here being in vegas the headquarters it's Pretty interesting to see it all unfold. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, as I said, you know, earlier in the in the podcast is, you know, having an inside, uh, you know, watching it, you know, from an inside rather, you know, when I say inside, inside out, you know, meaning just being a part of, you know, the circle and watching and, and having a wife, you know, work for them early on and, and what they wanted to do and see the vision that these, 
you know, guys wanted to to build as a sport and to see where it's become today. I mean, it's it is fascinating, um, you know. But there was a lot of implementive parts that I think and what made it, you know, greater for these guys and how they started to take care of the athletes or at least look at them as, you know, and 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 creating the headquarters and the and and, and the PI. you know the PI and having that. I mean, that's you know, there was conversations, you know, that I would have. It's like you know, in a rehab process, it's like they're sending me to the best doctor. When that doctor's done with me, they go and find the best person in Vegas to, to, to basically walk me through the process to make sure that I'm back out there on the field to, you know, looking at mixed martial arts and these fighters get, you know, beat up in a fight. They go home to their little hometown. They're seeing their buddy who's a doctor because they don't have any real finances to it. And they're just, you know, and, and they're rehabbing with their, you know, instead of like, dude, you guys are trying to build a sport, like the athlete and their care and their, you know, getting them to be at their peak to go on and perform. It's like any other sport. It's so important to these things. So to watch them, you know, implement all these kind of things and to create, like you said, the sport, not just the the, the fighting side to it, the, the, the institute to, to athletes to come and train, to rehab, you know, finding them places. I mean, that's where the sport to me, where I saw it going, you know, this is becoming a sport. And you know, hey, someday, just like every other made, will there be a union? Will there be a voice of the athletes to be able to go back to the other side of, you know, whether it be a UFC or a Bellator or Glory or all these PFLs or all these great organizations, and the fighters have a voice? I don't know. Every other major sport has it. So will that ever be something that comes to the forefront? I think in order for that side to grow as a sport on the sport, you know, the athlete side, I would think so because, as I said, every other major sport has a voice on the player side to negotiate certain things and tangibles again these are a little different they're owned by certain operations it's not owned by one organization so i mean there's different pendulums to the thing but to me at some point i feel like the players should have a voice and i know there's been rumors and guys have tried to do it and you know people have kind of have started the journey but you know i just think for me as an athlete and how the athlete benefits more than anything as as to be able to do and helping yes i i love dana i love those guys i love the ownership i understand that but like you know, these athletes sometimes, you know, they need a voice to express their things. And that's it's it's been interesting to watch it not happen yet in a major sport and where that sport has grown. And I'm not saying I'm all for it. I just think it's something that's very interesting and athletes should, you know, in every other major sport you have it. So why wouldn't you have it in mixed martial arts? I don't know if because it's camps. It's because they can't come together as one. I, I don't know the identity, but, you know, to me, it's my suggestion to mixed martial arts and fighters is that someday you should, you know. It's such a difficult topic to navigate yeah. because there's so many different pieces to Correct. it. Because the UFC itself is a brand. It is a major sports organization. That's what it's developed into, and that's what we see it as. Yeah. But then you look at the sport itself. It's not a team sport. It's yeah. an individual yeah. sport. There's like 700, 800 and of these fighters. And they're individual contracts. They're individual that's, yeah, contracts. That's, that's different the hardest than, yeah. component yeah. of it. Yeah. And it's like, how do you scale a guy in a card like a Max Holloway at John Jones versus someone who just came up on a contender series right. and maybe got two fights in their system and stuff like that it's it's so many different moving pieces too and then you talk about healthcare, which i think you know you step inside a cage you know that's something to consider too because you put your life on your line every single time um it is a very very difficult thing to navigate too and it's harder for the like the other professional sports it's very close to like 50 50 right in the union whole side of stuff it's just hard to find the universal voice and what that looks like because it's like it's such a new sport yeah. No, I mean, and that's why I said, I think at some point, I think it'll happen in my opinion. But again, how do you navigate through that, you know, individual contracts? Not that you just brought up the UFC. 
You didn't even bring up Bellator. Bellator. You didn't even bring up Glory. PFL. You didn't even bring up PFL. I mean, you know, you didn't even bring up all these other right. small identities to the ground. You just brought up one. So, like, you're right. How do you conglomerate or how do you get it? But it's, as I said, it's it's maybe it'll be a sport that will never have a union because of that identity. But maybe someday it will. I just know I look at every other major sport and what it's happens. And my thing, too, is the the the... the you know, the, the voice, the athletes in mixed martial arts, I feel like don't have, when you have that identity, you have the voice or you have, you know, someone to speak up or a group to speak up on, on your behalf as a whole. That's, that's more of a, you know, what it is. It's not the, it's hard to do, honestly. You're going to need to get the Conor McGregor's, the Izzy's, the yeah. Usman's, uh, the John Jones's, the DC's to all come together and to, as, as the most popular guys who headline the cards who make the most amount of money yeah. and say, Hey, we need to organize this. We need to take charge, follow our lead. It hasn't happened yet. No. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, again, it's not probably not that simple. That's why no right. one's really navigated. I mean, I know a lot of the fighters, you know, some of the dudes back when I was around would ask about it and how did you do it in baseball? I said baseball's also been around for 100-plus years. You know, mixed martial arts has, you know, been around a long time. But at this scale and how you're, you're, you're trying to compare the two sports and put the similarities as far as how have you guys been able to do it as a union in baseball? Well, we've been a union for, you know, and then, you know, and the sport's been around as an organized, you know, identity where Miss Marshall had. And it was just, you know, that time a lot of the USC focus. And we brought it up, too, like uh, – we were going to get there too. So the summer of 1998 in baseball, the home run standoff between McGuire and Sammy Sosa kind of revived baseball in a way because they had that strike from the union from 94, 95. And even the NBA, I know, had like a little shortened season, a lockout, 2010, 2011, those types of things. Yes, they might hurt the sport and popularity in the short term, but they they were needed in the sport for the long term. So the players could get what they needed from the other side too. So everybody gets, gets what, what they want at the end of the day yeah baseball went through it 94 uh you know so uh, you know as i said it's it's that generation that continued the journey to where it got today so you know it's it's an important factor i think as a whole to have a voice on the athlete side i think that's the part where i look at this going back to the original question is that you know i think the union will you know it's it's part of a, a a a voice together it's not this person and that group or like it's one voice coming together and trying to express it from a from a from a you know athlete side to the ownership or to whoever it is on the other side. But yeah, I, I think Mr. Martial is not as easy as he said. You know, it's gonna be a, a long drawn out process, I'm sure, if that ever happens. And something I wanna bring up speaking of the next generation, I love what you and your wife are doing with your foundation, helping the youth. And also I know you guys have a uh, your fourteenth annual yes. golf tournament, 14th right? Annual, yes. Yeah. Coming up here in Maui and uh, we're you know, we're sold out. I just got a text message this week that basically the event sold out, our dinner sold out. Um, you know, and it's all supported by, you know, local local companies. Uh, you know, as I, as you said, fourteen years, you know, when I started this journey of, of my first golf event there and for the foundation. I never thought 14 years later I'd still be here doing it. So, you know, for me, it's ultimately about giving back. It's not about me. People will put the, well, it's your opportunity to do this and to do that. And, you know, it's for me why I started a foundation was always about the kids. It's about making an impact to that next generation that, you know, hopefully one kid I can impact and, and, and he can go on or she can go on and become successful in life and make another impact on the next kid. And, you know, so to be able to do these, you know, charity events every year, uh, you know, I'm very lucky. I've had an annual toy drive here in Vegas, I think, what, I think 10-plus years. Uh, we'll, you know, we're probably going to do it again sometime in December. But, you know, for me, it's about 
having my platform and being who I am and being able to, to you know, to help that next, you know, generation of kids or someone who is less, you know, unfortunate than I am. I mean, that's why I love continuing to do and my wife and I continue to do our foundation efforts. And Maui. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, uh, he took me to Hawaii for the first time for my 30th birthday in nice. August. And Hawaii is so beautiful. It is. It is a beautiful place. We went to Kauai and Oahu. Yeah. It's our yeah. first time for both of us. Yeah. I just figured we'd start north and go, go down. down. Yeah. No, it's a pretty, uh, you know, I think it's just not the beauty of the place. It's the people. Uh, you yeah. know, it's it's what make where I'm from and, you know, why. You know the Max Holloways and the guys like myself leave such a beautiful place and have the personalities that we do, uh, and and you know it's it, it's definitely a special place and I'm glad to call it home. And even Dan Ige, who trains here, because yes, he Dan. has a yeah. fight coming up in December. Yes, I mean I've been hanging. You know I got to. I didn't realize how many of them were there at uh, Extreme, Extreme Couture. Puna, sorry. Puna, Puna. Yeah. you know, uh, you know they're all under Gifford. Uh, you know James Gifford and Eric and all those dudes. Uh, I know if a lot of people know, but Giffy, Giffy trained me a lot too. Uh, you know, he was a, a big uh, boxing, uh, you know, so did a lot of my training with, with, with Giffy. And uh, so when I got, uh, I texted him one day and he's like, man, you got to come down here and see all the Hawaiians. And, uh, you know, we all went to dinner one night and I was like, man, I cannot believe how many dudes are now, you know, and, and not just dudes, women, you know. And yeah. I was just like, this is cool as heck to see, you know, why. I go back to separating BJ versus Max. It was, you know, BJ that set the standard for this, you know, next generation of kids to come along and do what he's doing. So it's pretty fun to watch all the, you know, I wish they all could be back home, but, you know, they obviously go away and come here and train here. And the one thing, too, with BJ, the guy was not afraid to fight anyone at any weight division, too. He still isn't. No, <laughs> That's true. And he's running for governor, bro. He is? Uh, he, yeah, he is. <laughs> I did not what, know that. What do you think about that? Oh, man. Hey, good luck, BJ. You know, me, I... I'm a big believer staying out of the public eye and, you know, sitting back and working from behind and trying to make things. And, you know, BJ sees some things differently right now. I know he's excited. I know he's all over the, you know, he's all for it, you know, so we'll see what happens. It's not an easy job, I'll tell you that much. It's not a job I would want. No, it, it, yeah, it seems <laughs> stressful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to go to, to Fenway. We were in Boston, yeah. too, for the UFC event. But uh, I can only imagine, too, like it was it was always a childhood dream just to hit a ball uh, to the green monster, and you've done that plenty of times. Oh, man. Uh, you know, you use the word dream. You know, uh, she's – it's – I just remember growing up as a kid in Hawaii reading books, you know, reading that story about the green monster and, and, and all those tangibles and to sit there in that moment and, you know, have an opportunity to, like, play in that place. It's just – you know, it's – I, I, I use the verbiage in one of my highlights towards the end, uh, end of the year highlight after I think I got my, I think it was a base hit to left field uh, for my fourth RBI in game six of the World Series in 13. And I was standing there first base and I looked at my coach and I said, we're standing in the cathedral of baseball. Um, you know, that place is just, it's just, it, it's magical because the history, you know, just the, the, the grunginess, the oldness to it, the historic, you know, aspect of to it, the people who played there, the rivalry, you know, of, of Boston and New York. And, you know, so to be able to do that, man, I mean, it's, like you said, it's definitely a dream come true. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much nostalgia yeah. when it comes to baseball, too. Wrigley Field, the friendly yeah. confines. Yeah, that's, Even, my, that's my two favorite. I never got to play in the old Yankee. I missed it. You know, yeah. we, I was in the National League early in my career. 
But that was one place that a lot of people said that old Yankee Stadium uh, was something special. But Wrigley uh, and, and, and Fenway were my two favorites through my career. Just like you said, the nostalgic, the history, the the old confines, just the, you know, just the dirt walls and just the, you know, what was in the state of the art, nice room that you're walking into. You know, it was just like this. Rah. It's like I was surprised too because a few years back I was in Anaheim and that stadium is still like, Based off of modern stadiums and stuff, that's one of the top oldest, oldest yeah, stadiums yeah. in baseball, yeah. and it just—it's—I mean, yeah. it feels that way too. But yeah, you wouldn't know it. You but like you said, when you look at the you know the architectural side to it, you wouldn't think that's one of the older parts. But yeah, I don't know. As I said earlier, anytime I got to walk on a major league field or come out of a you know major league dugout onto a major league field, it was pretty fun, for sure. <laughs> and isn't it your younger brother's goal, right, to visit every baseball stadium? Yeah, my younger brother's a huge baseball fan. Right. So, like, he literally just every summer he yeah. plans a trip to go to X amount of stadiums. So he goes to every baseball That's stadium awesome. and just hears about it, too. So he's a huge fan of yours as well, Thank too. Thank you. I appreciate so, it, man. Yeah. Um, maybe one day I get to meet him. Yeah, no, I, I, he would love that, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he comes out here as well. Uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on. Is there yeah. anything that you want to bring up as no. well, too? No. I mean, as long as you guys are good, I'm good. Yeah, I'm well, your foundation? Yeah. Um, where the fans can, you know, visit or help donate? Donate. Oh, yeah, Um. so ShaneVictorino.com. It's, uh, you know, that's uh, – actually, no, I apologize. It's ShaneVictorinoFoundation.org. Uh, and it has information on there. As I said, the event is sold out, but I think there is a donate button. So, uh, you know, all the proceeds will stay in the state of Hawaii. Um, will go to opportunities. Um, this year, we're doing a. Uh, I think we're doing a matching with this uh, with Project Hawaii. It's a basically a, a organization that goes into uh, homeless encampments and they try to bring children out of their you know their everyday lives and try to bring them to a brighter side with bringing them products from local stores or you know just bringing them to programs within the community um, so we funded that last year we're going to support them again this year to continue their journey and then we're going to give to three other charities this year so we'll be a total of four charities back home uh you know with That's all the proceeds amazing. staying back there so yeah it's amazing it's uh you know as i said i'm blessed uh you know i, I will continue to use my platform to to give back because you know why why not what else do i have to do uh, other than trying to make someone else's day better uh and giving some other kid an opportunity to have a better chance in life well said. Thanks. Yeah. It's a great way to put it. Uh, we apologize to everybody listening to for the week and a half delay. We were in Phoenix or Bellator, Been Florida. Florida for interviews in the PFL, staying busy. Yeah. New York next week, but we'll definitely have a podcast. Really appreciate you. And, and look, you. Uh, I know we brought up the Hall of Fame too. It took Harold Baines a long, long time. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't take that long no, for you. It's all good. Hey, hey, as I said, just to be on that ballot, you know, is, is, is a super humbling honor. So. 100%. Shane Victorino, The Flying Hawaiian, episode 81. We are out. Hey.